You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, guys? Today, do I ever have a treat for you? If you are a traveler, and I'm guessing you probably are, or at least interested in travel, you are going to love today's episode with Scott of Scott's Cheap Flights. He is one of the world's experts on finding the best flight deals. I can't endorse his site enough. I have learned a ton from him, and now I am going to pay that forward on to you guys, which I am so excited about. Speaking of paying on the gift of travel to other people, as you might have heard, Under 30 Experiences has our new trips on sale page. And as a lot of you know already, our mission is to make travel more accessible to young people. So, of course, part of that means making this more financially accessible to young people. And so we have decided to start discounting our trips, especially the last-minute deals, the ones that are within 60 days. Really try to discount those just to get more people out there. So we, you will understand after listening to this that, yeah, flights go up at the last minute, but when you've got time, that's our most valuable asset. So we're trying to discount our trips so you can get out there. So check out under30experiences.com. Click trips on sale. Hopefully, you can find yourself somewhere awesome. And I am just going to have a little humble brag here that I have hit 50,000 words in the Millennial Travel Guidebook. So I couldn't be more excited to share that with you coming soon. So if you guys have any feedback for things you'd like to hear in the guidebook, you can always message me on Instagram at MattWilsonTV. Would love to hear from you. Would love to hear your review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, where SoundCloud, wherever else this podcast can be found. Without further ado, here is Scott of Scott's Cheap Flights. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we are here over Facebook Live with Scott Kyes. He is the co-founder and CEO of Scott's Cheap Flights, and he helps people get, well, what else than super cheap flights to over, oh man, numbers, 1.6 million people, I believe, are members of the site. So you certainly have a whole lot of experience there. And uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom with our community. Scott, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Let's jump in. No, I'm, I'm excited you want to come on Facebook. Uh, so yeah, could you get started and, and tell us a little bit more about your story, how you came to be Scott from Scott's Cheap Flights. <laughs> yeah, you know, it still feels weird to me to have that moniker. But, it, you know, look, being able to work every single day in, in the travel sphere to really help kind of like remove the barriers to travel that stop so many folks from being able to take those trips before. Now being able to, it's a real dream come true for me. And, and the funny thing was, I was never one of those entrepreneurs who really like wanted to found a startup whose like life goal it was, you know, to start some business who are just looking for a good idea. Uh, I don't have a background at all in business. In fact, my background is in journalism. I was a political journalist actually for years and years. And if you know anything about journalism, you know that there are a lot of good reasons to go into it. Uh, financial compensation is not one of them. But, you know, if you're still someone like myself who really wanted to be able to travel and see the world, you got to kind of figure out a way to do that. And so using a, a kind of like forums, blogs, like tips and tricks, I started to really kind of develop an arsenal of tools over the years that would help me 
find those sorts of deals, find those ones that were much, much, much more amenable to my bank account than, you know, the $800,000, $900,000 round trip flights over to Europe. And it all kind of culminated then in 2013 when I found the best deal I ever got in my life, which was nonstop from New York City to Milan for 130 bucks round trip. All it right. Was, I know. It was still like heart racing, sweaty palms. I couldn't believe it. And the funny thing was Milan actually wasn't even somewhere that was on my radar. It wasn't somewhere I'd like really, you know, been itching to go to. But, you know, for that price to be able to fly to Europe nonstop for 130 bucks round trip, heck yeah, you know, I'm going to jump on that no matter where it is. So I took this great trip. And when I got back, you know, all my friends and coworkers kept coming up to me and asking, hey, Scott, I heard about that great deal you got. Can you let me know next time? So I can get in on it too. And so rather than trying to remember every single person that I needed to let know, next time I found a deal like that, I was like, okay, why don't I just start a simple little email list? No way I can let everybody know at once. And so for, gosh, the next 18 months or so, two years, it was just a little hobby that I would do in my free time, you know, for purely for the love of the game. But over that time, you know, friends would tell their friends, people would kind of uh, let one another know, hey, you, you know, this guy, he's got this cheap flights email list, you should get on it. And uh, it all kind of then grew until 2015 when it had gotten large enough, I started to realize like, huh, I wonder if there is a business opportunity here. And so relaunched it as an actual business and it's been growing ever since then. And that's still kind of the premise of what we do today is we're just a group of folks who are obsessed with finding cheap flights, searching all day, every day for those really incredible fares. And then when we find them, putting it together in a simple little email, simple little deal alert and letting our subscribers know, you know, all at once. So if they're interested, they can book it. If not, no worries. There's going to be plenty more deals to come. Uh, that's awesome. Well, thank you for, for sharing the start of your story. And I know people are, are chiming in already on, on Facebook Live. I, of course, have a ton of questions for you that I can, I can send your way. But yeah, we already have people in here, people I haven't uh, heard from in a long time, members of the Under 30 Experiences community, etc. So Scott, were you always a traveler? Yes, in the sense that like growing up, you know, every summer my family would try to take a trip together. But typically growing up, that was that meant road trips. That meant, you know, I grew up in, in just a, a small little village, it wasn't even big enough to be a town, a village in southwest Ohio. So anytime we want to go somewhere, we would we, yeah, we'd just pack up the car and road trip. And it wasn't until uh actually college that I started realized like, oh man, you know, there are these it's a huge world out there. There's all these places that you can go, but obviously you've got to, if you want to go over to Europe, if you want to go down to South America, if you want to go over to Asia, there's no real way to get there other than to fly. Like once you're there, the world's your oyster. There's tons, you can be staying in $10,000 villas and, you know, eating caviar, or you can be staying in hostels and eating, you know, baguettes for lunch. Like there's so many options once you're there, but it's almost like the great equalizer that everybody has to get there the same way you've got to fly. And that was kind of so much of what really drove my my interest in it was being like, all right, if, if there's this one necessity in order to be able to travel and that's buying tickets, buying flights, how do we make sure that, you know, people aren't paying more than they have to? Like for most folks, the, the actual flight, there's just a means to an end. It's a way to get where they'd like to go. And so, you know, who wants to pay $1,000 for a flight if they know that the person next to them got it for $400. Like that's a real, you know, there's nothing like as quintessentially American as the fear that like you're paying more than you had to, you're paying more than the guy sitting next to you. And so that, that kind of really drove me early on to, to start to figure out those tips and tricks to get the best deal. 
Cool. Well, if we can uh, get some tips and tricks out of here, out of the man himself, uh, that would be great. So if somebody is planning an international trip, where's the first place? Obviously, Scott's Cheap Flights is a good place to start uh, and sign up for the mailing list. But where do you send people if they're going to begin their search? So the funny thing is, we actually don't sell flights. You know, we're not, we're not a competitor of like Skyscanner or, or Expedia or Orbitz. What we do is, and actually I think it'd be helpful to take a, a step back to think about the, the sort of the way we buy airfare today versus what it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, the way people would buy flights is they'd go down to their local travel agent and ask, you know, hey, how much are, you know, we'd like to do a family vacation to London. How do we get there? And then the travel agent had access to the tickets and the fares, and they would just tell you what it is. And now, you know, obviously all that stuff has come online. I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know there, but the fact that all of a sudden we have all this information at our fingertips, all the fares between any two city pairs is at our our fingertips, and we have no idea what to do with it. Like, you live in, let's say, my home airport growing up of Dayton, and you're trying to fly to Rome, what should that flight cost? Like that is such a complicated question that, that it seems simple. It should just cost X number of dollars. But you know, flight, the thing about flights is that it's not like buying a gallon of milk where the price yesterday is essentially what the price is going to be today and essentially what the price is going to be tomorrow, you know, give or take a couple pennies. Like, like the price of a flight that exact same flight is going to be, you know, might be $1,300 yesterday. It might drop to $300 today and might be up to like $800 tomorrow. And this isn't just like theoretical. They literally, we see this, those exact type of fare jumps. And not only that, it's fairly unpredictable. Like you don't know, you know, is the price going to go up or or come down, how it's going to go in any given sphere. And so because there's all that information at our fingertips, but we don't really have I think, good way to sort of make sense of it or to translate it, it gets difficult for travelers to, to, you know, there's that nagging fear. Am I paying more than I have to? Like, is this flight uh, more expensive than it ought to be? Would I be better off waiting? Would I be better off booking now? These types of questions are really sort of complicated for folks. And so that's why we really kind of built this thing where we spend all the time searching for those flights. And that way, you know, when those really good deals pop up, knowing that they're not they're typically not going to last very long you know the that $130 flight i told you about to milan that thing only lasted about 6 hours you know it wow. wasn't around for very long in general general of thumb the better the deal is the shorter it's going to last and so finding out about them early and being able to book quickly is really really key for folks uh, you know and that's sort of what we kind of premise on on finding those and then alerting people as quickly as possible one of the kind of granular tip that a lot of people have really taken good advantage of, especially, you know, for for folks in the U.S., there's something called the 24-hour rule. And I actually took personal advantage of this during that Milan flight where under federal regulation in the U.S., if you book a flight uh, that's either departing from or coming to the United States, you have 24 hours after that booking like during that 24 hours after you book, you can cancel that flight without any penalty at all. And A, that's a great thing for people to know, just to, to know that that option is there. But B, it's especially important when an incredible fare pops up because you know that Milan fare was only going to last six hours. And so I booked it 
And I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to take that flight, but I knew if I waited a day or two until I got to the point where I was 100% sure I wanted to take it, that fare was going to be long gone. So what I did was I booked it. And that way I knew for, okay, for the next 24 hours, I'm good. Like I know I've locked in that price and I can, I can cancel it if I want to. I've kind of bought myself that 24 hours locked in the price there. And a lot of folks, especially with those mistake fares, uh, a lot of folks on our, on our list have become real pros at doing that, locking it in when it's a low price, just to give themselves time to make sure it doesn't disappear on them. Cool, Scott. Well, yeah, thank you for explaining uh, some of that to us. And we have more people joining in on Facebook Live. I wanted to shout out a couple people. I'm not sure if uh, some of these are are your friends, but I wanted to uh, shout out Selena, who I hadn't seen since college, Roland, who is down in Cusco, Peru. He's our manager at Under 30 Experiences, leading our Inca Trail trips. We've got Gary, who you might know. Liz says that Prague, Rome, and Iceland were the trips that she's booked through Scott's Amazing. Lights. And, Amazing. and I want to ask you more about Iceland because I saw that uh, featured on your site as a place which might be a great uh, book place to book in 2019 because of cheap flights. We can get to that. Jonathan Cruz is a former trip leader for us uh, down in Costa Rica. Tanya Menes is our Austin community manager. And Will Benway came at us with a question. Uh, Will's a big part of our under 30 experiences community, but he says, uh, curious if Scott believes the airlines drop prices on purpose to drive traffic or are they mostly glitches slash they have no clue why prices drop. Uh, yeah, okay. That is, that's an excellent question. Like, have they built algorithms where even they can't control it anymore? Who knows right. what prices it'll spit out? Most of the time, that's not the case. Every once in a while, though, that is the case. And what, when that happens, you know, when that $130 flight that I personally got from New York to Milan, the airline did not mean to sell that price. That was one of those where, it, you know, we call it a mistake fare. They sold that ticket at a price that they did not mean to. Those don't come around terribly often, but man, when they do, it's amazing. You know, those are the real kind of holy grail of the cheap flights world. In general, though, yes, airlines are, are selling tickets at the price that they mean to. But I think the key distinction and thing to be aware of is that most of the really good, really exceptional fares, the ones that are actually worth buying, are unadvertised sales. You know, these are not uh, uh, price drops or fares that you're going to see commercials about. It's not ones that you're going to see web ads about because the airlines know these prices are so good, it's going to sell themselves. Like there's only, there's a limited number of seats that they have on the plane. They don't need advertising to sell $400 round trip flights to, you know, from the US to Europe. Those are going to sell. And if they run an advertising campaign about it, then they have to, you know, say it's going to stop at some date. They have to kind of promise that they're going to be there. They're going to get too many people trying to get those. And so they do these unadvertised sales because that way it gives them flexibility. And so they can stop selling those seats anytime they want to. You know, they're kind of watching how many of them are being sold, how many are left, and they can kind of cut it off at, at any given point. And so I figure, look, we know that there's going to be, you know, X number of seats on sale for $400 round trip over to Europe. If they're going to sell it at that, but they're not going to let folks know, like, I want to be one of the people who finds out about that. And I want to make sure that all the people, you know, and frankly, all the people on Scottsdale Flights are the ones who are getting those seats, that they're not kind of hearing about it too late. Yeah. 
that's such a kick in the pants, right? If you you hear about an amazing deal, but it's just like, ah, I missed it, you know, that like just sold out or just just disappeared an hour ago. And so trying to really kind of get those great deals, but get them in time is kind of the the challenge that we embrace when we wake up every day. Cool. Scott, thank you for that. And and Will, uh, thank you for your question. That was a really good one. And uh, actually, could you just explain a little bit more, Scott, how Scott's two flights work? I know that it's not a search engine. I understand that it is a mailing list. We were introduced by a, a mutual friend, former podcast guest of mine uh, very recently. And I told everyone in our office that, you know, hey, I was going to go on Facebook Live with Scott. And everybody said, oh my God. So I guess there were 1.6 million people that knew about you before I did. And I work in the travel industry. Uh, <laughs> it's the best kept secret that everybody knows about. Seriously. Yeah. So the way that Scott's Cheap Flights operates is, look, we know that the uh, airfare is constantly going on sale and constantly popping up at really good prices. But like I said, they're not advertising it and it's not consistent or, or rational or predictable. You know, the, that $400 seat today is probably not going to be there tomorrow. And it might not have been there yesterday. They're kind of con- almost like a shooting star. It's constantly sort of appearing and disappearing. And so what we figured is like, all right, look, we are a group of folks. We're a team of, of folks who are got really, really good at finding those cheap flights, at, at finding those, those deals. And when we do find them, you know, we kind of have enough expertise and enough experience at finding those to be able to say, all right, here's this incredible deal we just found to London for like 350 bucks round trip. Based on past experience, you know, we can say like the normal price on those routes tend to be, let's say $900. We can search it out and say, okay, here's the parameters that we found availability from February through May. Here's how long based on past experience we expect this to last. You know, maybe we'll say like, okay, we think it will last for the next 24 hours. We're hopeful. It's, you know, it's a bit of a guesstimate. It can't say for sure, but we'll say like, okay, that's, that's our best prediction. And then, you know, so here's the airline, the, the prices on any specific route. And what we do is we just kind of put all that information together in a little email alert and we just send it out to, to all our members. And so for folks who, uh, uh, let's say New York and Boston and Chicago are available on that for our our members who are in New York, who are in Boston, who are in Chicago, they're going to get that alert. And then they can kind of decide for themselves, hey, am I interested in going to London? Does that seem like a, you know, is that's a really good price? Do I want to go? Am I, you know, do the, like, are there dates in there that work for me? And for any given member, you know, it's a very personal decision. Do they want to take that or not? But it, the the funny thing is the business model that we've created is not one where we are pushy at all. Like we don't get any commissions. We don't get any kickbacks. It doesn't matter to us on any given flight if somebody books it because we don't get any financial compensation for that. Our only goal is to make sure that people are getting deals that they're really interested in. And so the way from a a business standpoint we support that is we have a premium membership where there's additional perks for for a premium member that they can get uh, deals just from their specific the specific airports they want. They get them, you know, they get all the deals where it's just a limited selection go to the free members. They get them, you know, 30 or 45 minutes early. There's no ads in their emails, that sort of stuff. But, you know, so for folks who are on the premium list, what they'll essentially, just depending on, on where they live, they'll get anywhere from a few to maybe 10 or 15 deals every single week that are saying like, hey, here's, you know, $500 flights over to Japan. Here's $550 flights down to South Africa. 
And that way, you know, if they're in the market, if they're looking to go somewhere, if there's somewhere that really cool that maybe they've never even heard of, but you know, it's a $300 flight over to Sri Lanka. They're like, yeah, I never thought about going to Sri Lanka, but for $300, heck yeah, I'm going to go. I mean, that's exactly what happened to me, to Milan. I never planned to go there, but for $130, you better believe I was going to get on that flight. And so that's what we try to do for for our members and, uh, uh, you know, make sure that they're not missing out, that they're in the known so they can decide if they want to book that flight or not. Cool. Well, thank you for being transparent also and letting everybody know that this you know, your, your free mailing list is at no additional markup or charge to them. As you mentioned, you monetize through advertising. And also, yes, you do have a premium membership, which is great. But uh, yeah, it seems like an amazing resource. Uh, I can't wait to take advantage. Um, yes, I hope so. So yeah, that's, that's exciting. And I appreciate the spontaneity of what this type of mailing list can add to to someone's life, if you will. And one of the things that I had read on the Scott's Cheap Flight blog was that the biggest barrier to traveling internationally is crossing the ocean. So if you are going to Asia, for example, even if you end up in Sri Lanka, maybe that's not the best example, uh, but you can then bounce from there anywhere that you really want to go. Or if you found yourself in Milan, okay, you have all of Europe to hop around on trains and cheap Ryanair flights. So could you talk a little bit more uh, about that concept? Because that seems to be the, the biggest part of travel hacking here. Absolutely. And let me give you a personal example. I used to live in Washington, D.C. And probably like the second or third best deal I've ever got in my life was from uh, DC to Belgium, to Brussels for $225 round trip. Wow. Uh, you know, I actually got that deal twice. And the funny thing about it was I actually wasn't particularly interested in going to Brussels. Like it was fine. You know, it seemed okay. But I knew, you know, once I get across the ocean, that is the most expensive part. And once you are actually in mainland Europe, I could get to where I actually wanted to go super cheap and I could decide where I wanted to go. And so like for the first trip, I actually flew from Brussels over to Oslo, up to Norway, and then went up to like Trumsta, explored all around Norway because I knew, you know, that flight from Brussels to Oslo was like 50 bucks round trip. It's super cheap. And for the second one, I went from Brussels uh, actually back to Ireland and just traipsed around Ireland for, for a week. And because again, I think it was like $60 on Aer Lingus or something. So once you're in Europe, it's extremely, extremely cheap to bop around to, to whatever country or multiple countries that you'd want to see in a way that if I had insisted, like looking for flights from DC to, to Oslo or DC to Dublin, those were much more likely to cost something like 750 bucks round trip. And, you know, at 225 plus 50, 225 plus 60, I got it under $300 round trip. So by being kind of flexible about where I landed in Europe and then, you know, continuing on from there, really, really key. That's especially true uh, if you're looking to go somewhere that's a bit more far flung or a bit more remote. I like to call this the Greek island trick. So let's say you want to go to Santorini. If you were to pull up flights, you know, Google Flights, Expedia, wherever, from let's say like New York to Santorini, it's probably going to tell you about $1,500 round trip on any given month. Like it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's far, it's expensive, it's very popular. But the thing is, 
regularly, we see flights from New York to Athens nonstop go on sale as low as like $400 round trip, sometimes even lower. And once you're in Athens, you can hop a Ryanair flight. You can, heck, you can hop a, a cruise or a ferry out to the Greek islands for like 50 bucks round trip, 60 bucks, especially over to somewhere like Santorini. So you add that together by splitting it up, getting across the ocean and then finishing on to your final destination. You know, in this case for Santorini, it'd be $1,500 to do it in one itinerary or $460 to do it in two itineraries. So, you know, that's one of those things that I really kind of impress on people. It's not going to work every single time. It's going to depend a little bit on, you know, just kind of what out there is available. But that sort of flexibility and that sort of like mindset of how to search is, I think, something that proves really fruitful when people are looking for cheap flights. That That's cool, Scott. Actually, I took advantage of the Greek island strategy myself this summer. Nice. And uh, I didn't... You know, I had the time, the flexibility, and so I did it in a little bit different way. My girlfriend and I were coming back from Paros, and so mm. we took the cruise ship, or or the ferry rather, it wasn't a cruise, uh, but the ferry back to Athens. Mm. We really enjoyed Athens, and then I like to travel on one-way tickets as much as possible, and okay, when the trip's done, it's done, I'll, I'll know when, and I can create that flexibility, but getting home, I can really find myself into some sticky in some sticky situations because you got to get home, but you got to try to do it for cheap, plus not take 19 stops on the way home. Maybe we can make it enjoyable. So what I did when I took that ferry to Athens, we stayed in Athens, then flew directly to London. Now, what I really liked is on your website, you have uh, Norwegian Air as one of the great airlines to be able to find one ways. And so I was able to find a one way direct Gatwick back to Austin. Mm. And so just by taking two flights and getting the opportunity to explore Athens, getting the opportunity to explore London, I was able to break that up. Sure. It took a few days to get home and we were tired by the end, but not as t- in my opinion, not as tired as we would have been had we taken that three-leg flight home because yeah. that's that's tricky so how yeah what's especially interesting about that is like look there's always going to be the same way to start your search you search from whatever airport you're closest by to wherever airport you'd ideally like to go but the key the key thing for people if you want to get cheap flights is don't stop your search there you know so many people just start it see what the price and just think oh well you know $1,100, that's it. it is what it is. And the key that, that I think that certainly you've realized and we try to really uh, educate folks on is like expand your search a little bit. Search for nearby airports, search for big hubs nearby, because oftentimes it can be cheaper, like you said, if getting to London and then getting a separate flight back to the US actually probably significantly cheaper than trying to do it in, in just one fell swoop. Plus, the great thing about it is then you can actually structure it in a way so you're spending time in that additional place as well, if you'd like. So, you know, for those trips of mine through Brussels, I spent a day in Brussels on either. And it was kind of cool. You know, it was basically about as much time as I wanted to spend in Brussels. Got to, you know, have a few beers, walk around. It was great. But I didn't have to, like, I didn't have to just stay in the airport and and then continue on. Like, I, I had one come in one day and then a day or two later had the the, the final flight onward. Ditto with that flight from, you know, that I took from New York to Milan for 130 bucks. 
I didn't live in New York at the time. I lived in DC. I just took a bus, you know, I, and the flight was on Monday. And so what I did is I took a bus up on uh, either Friday or Saturday, hung out with some friends in New York for a couple of days. And then on Monday, you know, flew out over to Milan for 130 bucks round trip. It was amazing. And by if I had just tried to search for that flight out of DC to Milan, it would have been 800 bucks easy. And so by being a little bit more flexible and not just stopping your, your search right at the very beginning, that's the best way to really kind of make kind of weigh all your options and see, you know, and then you can kind of decide for yourself, you know, do I have friends there? Is it worth it to me to spend another day in London, to spend a day in Belgium, to spend a day in New York or two, and then fly out? For some people, they just really want to get there as quickly as possible. That's great. You know, it might not be as cheap, but hey, for a lot of people, you know, time is money. And for other people, like, man, just get me that $300 flight over to Europe. I'll, you know, sleep on the subway in New York if I have to. I don't care. Like, like everybody's a little bit different. So being able to kind of at least know all your options is really key. Sure. And uh, Scott, we got a couple more people that were joining us and uh, I've learned how to wave to people on Facebook. Yeah, do you have some friends in here that you wanted to shout out? I wanted to say I hello do. to Wilson. What's up, Danny? What's up, Caitlin? What's up, Tasha, Jill, Federico, Katie? Glenn. Oh man, so many good friends on here. This is great. Cool. Yeah, I got, uh, I saw Becca, uh, Tanisha Baker. Yeah, a couple other people that were that were there. I think I, I might have shouted out Kelsey from Atlanta. She's our under 30 experiences community manager down there. But uh, yeah, and a lot of our community managers can take advantage of, you know, your mailing list because, okay, I know there are Facebook groups out there too that you can join. And all right, uh, if there's cheap flights going out of Atlanta, you can find about out about them if you see, oh, my friend posted about that, et cetera. So uh, these are all good, good resources for people. But Scott, I wanted to go back to what you were saying about selecting multiple cities when you search. Now, on some search engines, uh, Google Flights and Skyscanner, you can select, for example, multiple cities that you'd be willing to fly to, I believe, or you can just select, I believe, a continent or Skyscanner. I think you can just type in anywhere and they'll just tell you wherever <laughs> you want to fly, but you have to select your departure. Yeah, you have to select your departing city. Is that correct? Mm. Uh, yeah. So on Google Flights, the way it works is that you can put in multiple origin airports and multiple destination airports. So you can say like, or let's say you live in New York, you can put in JFK, LaGuardia, Newark, but then you could also put in like Philadelphia and Boston and, and maybe even like BWI or, or somewhere else. And that way you're making sure like, okay, of all these five or six different airports, and then let's say you just really want to go to Paris. You put Paris in the destination, you're saying of all these six nearby airports, which one of them has the cheapest flights over to Paris? And it'll tell you, you know, hey, maybe for February 5th through 12th, the cheapest flight is actually out of Philadelphia. But then, you know, in February 13th through 20, the cheapest flight is out of JFK. So being able to kind of, yeah, have that flexibility is really, really nice. I found that Google Flights is the most powerful for being able to kind of search those kind of broader and more more airports all at once. Uh, they actually, have, they have a similar feature as well, like Skyscanner, where you can kind of, you can't put in everywhere, but you can put in either specific countries or specific continents. But yeah, it's a really kind of fun tool to play around with. Even the Map Explorer tool, where you can kind of see on any given dates, you know, February 5th through 12th, where are the cheapest flights anywhere in Europe? And then you just 
kind of scroll around and it'll tell you. It's a lot of fun. I remember spending probably too many hours uh, kind of daydreaming when I used to be in the office, uh, you know, imagining, oh man, I could go to London for, you know, $350. I could go to Paris for 400 you know, just imagining. So that, that sort of stuff is really fun to me. No, that that's awesome. And uh, Tanya is saying that she uses your emails and posts them in our Austin community every once uh, in a while. And then it's awesome. very helpful. What's up, Tanya? And uh, Glenn also says, keep up the good work, Scott. Hey, Glenn. Missed that guy. Grew up with him. Great, great guy. I love him. Okay, so Will's got another question for us and, and one that I alluded to already about Iceland. And it sounds like Wow Air is not doing so well right now. And he'd like to know... Uh, if you think there's going to be less competition in getting people across the pond, leading Iceland Air, British Airlines, Air Linguist, and Virgin to raise their prices from the U.S. Northeast? It's mm, a great, great question, Will. And here's, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say, and then I'm going to explain why. So I actually don't, we don't send out WOW Airlines uh, deals but I really hope that they survive as an airline. Let me explain why. Let me explain why we don't send them, but why I hope they survive. With WOW Airlines, you know, you'll see them oftentimes grabbing uh, headlines. They'll be in the news because they'll say $99 flights to Europe. And actually, they even had one, I think, a few days ago. It said $49 flights to Europe. Which oh, my is, God. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, you're like, holy crap, that's amazing. And as is so often the case with budget airlines, you know, once you start to kind of peel back a couple layers of that onion, you start to see a little bit more, you know, all right, that $49 is just the flight out. And presumably you'd like to get back home, uh, you know, and the return flights aren't $49. So let's say it's like $200, which is usually, you know, usually it's at least uh, 150 or 200 bucks. So let's say it's $200. Then you're looking more at like 250 round trip. Still very good. That's an excellent price, but we haven't accounted for anything else yet. And the thing about WOW Airlines is, uh, you know, most airlines these days, whether it's United, Delta, all those uh, charge for checked bags nowadays, even on flights to Europe. But where WOW takes it the extra step is that they actually charge you for a carry-on. So you, even if you're packing light, you know, anything basically more than a purse, you, presumably you want some clothes to wear to change into when you get to Europe, anything more than just a purse, you're going to have to pay for to carry on. And so, okay, you're like, it's a carry-on, you know, what's it going to cost? 25, 30 bucks. That's sort of what we're used to paying for as a bag fee in the U.S. But no, no, no. If you're flying, let's just say from the U.S. to, to London on WOW, it is uh, typically about $65 as just for the carry-on bag. And that's $65 each way. So that's $130 there and back. But the thing is they charge it per leg. And every single WOW Airlines flight connects in Reykjavik, every single one. And so it's not $130. It's 100, you know, it's 65 to Reykjavik, 65 to Europe, 65 back to Reykjavik, 65 back to the US. So you're talking $260 all of a sudden just for your bag, just for your carry-on, not even a check bag. So already we were at the fare of 250 plus 260 for the bag. We're at 510. We haven't even gotten to seat selection, which is charged per leg. We haven't gotten to like maybe a meal or like a bottle of water. And so the reason why we ultimately don't chose not to send out wild airlines is not because we have anything particularly against them, but that when you start to account for just the bare minimum to be able to travel, it ends up being not nearly the deal 
that it seemed like it was when it was $49. That all being said, I love what all these budget airlines have done because of WOW Airlines, because of Norwegian, because of Iceland Air, Air Asia's just starting between Asia and the United States. Because of those airlines, they come in with these just rock bottom, dirt cheap prices that puts a lot of pressure on Delta, on United, on Air France, on British Airways, and all these other ones to compete on price. And so that actually forces them to lower their fares just you know, as a response to try to make sure that they're not losing too many flyers to these budget airlines. So it ends up being really good for passengers, even for passengers who say they'll never take a wow airlines flight and you know frankly if more budget airlines start to go out of business it's probably going to be the case that that prices would start to rise industry wide so that's why even though we don't send them i hope that they continue to stay afloat seems like they just got a cash infusion from a i think a private equity firm that that was involved i shouldn't know this off the top of my head it was either in frontier or spirit i think it was frontier but gosh i should know that Anyway, they seem like they're on a bit firmer footing today than they than it was like a month or two ago. So fingers crossed that continues. Cool. Well, uh, that that speaks to uh, the integrity of your list because you're not just copying and pasting, oh, $49 fares to Europe and blasting that to your email list. You'd get a great open rate, I'm sure. And that would be quite valuable to your advertisers, but that's not doing your audience any favors. That's exactly right. And that's why, you know, we found such a, a warm reception, positive feedback from this freemium model where we don't have to try to, you know, chase the highest open rates. We don't have to play the clickbait game and try to, you know, essentially like lie to people or, or otherwise, you know, entice them with something that's a bit of a bait and switch. We can be really straightforward with people, you know, even the way that we structure our headlines is we try to pack in as much information in the email subject line because we figured, look, we want you to know as much about this deal as possible. And so maybe it's a deal to London and you just got back from London. So you're, you wouldn't be interested. I don't want you to have to waste your time like going through the way, you know, you might have to if we phrased it as like, oh, you know, rock bottom fares to popular Europe, Western European city that in a way that was kind of like enticing, but, but ultimately unfulfilling. It's very comforting and nice for me not to have to play that game. No, that that's great. And uh, Scott, in a minute, I want to ask you more about when is the most optimal time to book. But first, I would just want to shout out a couple people who have come through. I'm waving now at uh, Owen J.J. Stone, uh, Sarah Rubel, Avisha, Craig. Craig came by. Uh, will had a comment that he said that uh, Frontier will burn through that $75 million in, in six to 12 months. And yeah, a bunch of people coming. Tony Ramirez, uh, Mao from Costa Rica is is signing on. Anybody else that, that you saw in there? Any of your friends? Yeah, what's up, Elijah? What's up, Marielle? Great to see you guys. Cool. Uh, so you have an ultimate guide, actually, that I'm going to link up on the show notes at under30experiences.com slash blog so that people can go read all the details for yourself. But to give them a little bit uh, of content here without taking up the entire hour on it, there's two things to think about when to book, like literally when to get on your computer and, and book, whether it's midweek, weekends, middle of the night, that type of thing. And then also times to avoid, right? Like 
Christmas, obviously, is going to be a tough time to avoid. And But then there's times where you can find cheap flights. So uh, what would you tell people about that? Yeah. The first thing is, I think it's important to really be explicit about what we're talking about when we say like cheapest times for flights, because I think it gets, it often gets confused in terms of like, when are the cheapest times to fly versus when are the cheapest times to book? Exactly. So let's, let's take those one by one. Uh, cheapest times to fly doesn't really matter time of, of day, typically. Oftentimes, you know, the, the first one in the morning, sometimes cheaper, but typically it's going to follow kind of that January through May and September through November tend to be like the cheapest times of year to travel, like when you're going to see the cheapest fares. And the reason why is the most expensive times are summer and so that Christmas, New Year period. Uh, And that's, you know, when you just have a lot more competition, a lot more desire to travel. So summer, you know, you've got teachers and students and families, you know, parents with, with kids who are in school, all trying to pack their travel and their flights into this sort of two, three month period. And then kind of ditto around Christmas, New Year's, you know, a lot of folks have time off from work or time off from school and want to be able to travel then. So when you have that many more people trying to fly and the airlines don't have, you know, a ton of planes in that they're like keeping in reserve to meet this increased demand or anything, that's why you see those prices tend to go up those times of year. The question though about like the cheapest times to book Really, really interesting one. And the answer is basically, first, you don't want to wait too long. You know, you don't want to wait till like the last week or two before a flight. And the reason, you know, it used to be the case 20, 30 years ago that those flights were were the cheapest. Those, you know, any unsold flight or any unsold seat right before the airline takes off, they figure, look, this is lost revenue. So we'll slash the price to try to get people in. That was the thinking for a long time. Then the airlines kind of started to realize that the people who were booking in that last week or two weren't leisure travelers like you or I. It was folks who were uh, business travelers who were traveling you know, for their jobs, and they didn't care what they paid because they weren't paying it. It was the company. So the airlines actually jacked up the price now in the last week or two rather than uh, slashing the price. So you want to avoid waiting too long to book. For domestic flights, I recommend booking at least a month in advance. For international flights, at least a couple months in advance. And if you're looking to travel in one of those peak periods, you know, in summer or in in Christmas, New Year's, adding at least a, at least two or three months onto those recommendations. But one thing I also do recommend as well is trying not to book too early for most flights. And the reason why, and this is especially true for domestic flights, is if I, let's say I really want to go somewhere for Halloween weekend, you know, we're like, what, uh, nine months away from that. The airlines have that, well, most of them, Southwest doesn't have those fares loaded up yet, but like, you know, Delta, American South, uh, uh, United, they've got those fares available. But the thing is, they're not putting any of those on sale quite yet. They're waiting till, you know, three, four months ahead of time or so. And so if I book that flight right now, and given that when you book a flight, unless it's on Southwest, it costs a heck of a lot of money to change or cancel it, I'm locking myself in at a higher price and potentially missing out on future sales. So I try to caution people against necessarily booking too, too early, as long as they're comfortable waiting for the kind of, again, for domestic flights, typically one to three, one to four months ahead of time to book for international flights, more like two to eight months ahead of time. That's sort of the 
the golden window. But then again, it's not booking any old fare in that time. It's not just searching at some point two months in advance and just, yes, buy. It's like when there's a really good fare in those periods. Does that make sense? No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And again, we can we can link these up on the show notes under 30experiences.com slash blog because you have extensive blog posts on these topics. And I don't want you to just have to repeat the stuff that's already out there for people. I love chatting uh, stuff. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I try to ask questions uh, that they might not find on your website. Uh, one that comes to mind, uh, maybe this is on your website, I, I don't know, but... I'm curious what you monitor all day, what apps that you have. Obviously, you're doing the work for people and they can just get the email and sit back and wait for it, but you've got to have some tricks up your sleeve. Yeah, so in terms of the tools that we like to use, Google Flights is personally my favorite flight search engine. It's not only super powerful, you can search a ton of different airports all at once, but it's really, really quick. Like, and when you're doing the sorts of volume of searching that we're doing, you know, searching hundreds, if not thousands of of routes and fares in a given day, being able to do those in a couple seconds rather than 20 seconds or stuff really, really adds up. So I'm a big fan of Google, of Google flights. It just is like the search engine, but the, you know, the funny little, the funny little secret, one of the most popular questions is like, where should I be searching for cheap flights? Like which search engine do you like the best? And I'm proud to recommend Google Flights. Yeah, we don't get any kickback or commission or anything. I just really like it. But the funny secret is they're actually mostly all the same. Like they're mostly basically running on the same, what's called global distribution uh, system. They're getting the, the same fares. Like maybe some will slash it by a couple dollars to try to essentially be a loss leader. Maybe they lose a couple uh, uh, bucks on that or, or cut into their commission in order to try to get more market share. But functionally, you're mostly going to see the same types of fares. The one thing that I do really try to impress on people is that especially when you're looking to travel, uh, uh, sorry, domestically, or to like the Caribbean, Mexico, or stuff like that, remember that Southwest, their fares do not show up on flight search engines. If you go to Google Flights, you go to Expedia, you go to Orbitz, you're not going to see any Southwest flights. It's a slightly complicated why that is, uh, why they chose to do that. But you have to go straight to southwest.com to search those. And normally, I would say, you know, it's just one more airline, not necessarily worth it. But the fact that Southwest, A, you know, you get free check bags wherever you go. B, they have free ticket changes and cancellations. It can be really, really beneficial, especially, let's say there's a trip maybe in a few months that you're like kind of on the fence about, you know, you might go, you might not. What I'll do personally, a lot of times is I'll just go on Southwest, I'll see the fare, I'll book it. And I know, you know, look, I've locked it in at that price. It's not, you know, I'm not going to get any higher. And I can kind of decide closer to then some point in the future, do I actually want to take that flight or not? And if not, I can cancel, you know, no fuss, no muss, no worse for the wear. And what's what's especially cool too, is if the price drops, if uh, let's say I bought a flight for 150 bucks and then, you know, they run a sale in a couple of weeks and it's down to a hundred bucks, I can just change it or cancel and rebook. And it's basically a, you know, heads I win, tails you lose type of situation. But for once, it's actually the, the passengers, the flyers who are coming out ahead rather than the airlines. And that's great. Scott, what's your take on the Southwest effect? I remember uh, we do a lot of business down to Costa Rica, and we were excited that Southwest was going to start flying into Costa Rica and that we might see other people try to compete with them and lower their prices. Uh, so it, is, that a, is that a real thing? 
Absolutely. You know, we have been seeing some really, really exceptional airfares over to Hawaii lately, as low as we I saw, I think it was $235 round trip from the West Coast over to Hawaii, you know, in the 200, 300s from West Coast, from 300, 400s from the rest of the country round trip over to Hawaii, as low as they have ever been. And I think one of, there, there are a few reasons for that, but one of the primary drivers is the fact that Southwest any day now is going to get their certification to begin flights over to Hawaii. And so the other airlines, you know, frankly, they're, they're, they're running a little bit scared about it. They, they know how popular Southwest is, you know, the free check bags, the free changes, cancellations, those are all real popular things. And so I think they've been really kind of, the other airlines have been cutting their fares and attempt to really kind of like get market share to try to woo as many travelers over before Southwest comes in, because, you know, it's going to, like you said, there's going to be a little bit of that Southwest effect once they, once they do start flying that. So I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be really, really great for folks to be able to travel to Hawaii, especially considering historically it's not a very cheap place to be able to fly to. You know, even a couple of years ago, the normal round trip price, let's say you're in New York, the normal round trip price to get over to Hawaii, it's more like 800 bucks, 750 if you're lucky. And nowadays, regularly see it under 500, occasionally under 400. Wow. Uh, and, and, and so I'm really hopeful that that's actually going to continue now with Southwest uh, entering the market. Cool. That's great. Well, uh, Scott, I want to ask you just a couple quick more questions before I let you go. But uh, let me get this one in there. So if you are in a major city in the United States for the year 2019, where should people be looking or starting to think, okay, that might be a good place to travel where they might see some cheap flights this year? There are a couple places I think that are going to be sort of on our radar, sort of on our hopeful list as exceptionally good deals this year. So mentioned Hawaii, definitely one of them. Iceland expecting to be still uh, quite quite low and not just on budget carriers, but on, on sort of what are called the legacy airlines, Delta, American, and the rest. Spain really, really has been exceptionally cheap lately, you know, regularly in the 300s from much of the country, even as low as the mid 200s from New York City. Like that's what it typically costs to fly, you know, from New York to like, Denver, you know, something. And now you can fly over to Spain. Sometimes even Paris and Rome have been on there as well. So Western Europe, Southern Europe looking really, really good. And so those are those are the places that I would be sort of, if I have to predict about like where I think is going to be uh, uh, cheaper this year, that's sort of what comes to mind. One of the things that I really sort of recommend to folks is if you really want to be able to travel and get cheaper flight than usual, the way that most people tend to think about flights is first, they choose where they want to go. Second, they choose when they want to go. And only on step three, do they kind of look up the price. And by setting prices, that sort of third order concern, it's not terribly surprising that it ends up being not a very good price usually. So what I really recommend for folks is if you want to make cheap flights the priority, if you really want to get those deals, and especially if you're someone like myself who would, you know, there's basically nowhere around the world I wouldn't love to go visit rather than they're just, you know, I only want to go to Paris or I only want to go to Rome. If you're like me and you really want to go see most places, set price as your first order concern. So very first thing, where are there cheap flights to? And that can, you know, either you can be 
getting that from Google Flights, searching, you know, uh, okay, I'm in New York, let me put in Europe and and just see what are what are the cheapest ones available. Or, you know, just keeping an eye on, on our emails, letting you know when when these really good deals pop up. And then second, are, are there is there anywhere in there that can really kind of piques my interest? Uh, yeah, you know, I'd love to go to London. I'd love to go to Budapest. I'd love to go to Vienna. And, you know, are there dates where those cheap flights are available that work for me? Yeah, you know, that April 9th through 16th, I can get off and there's $350 flight to Vienna then. So by setting kind of trying to really get the cheap flight first and fitting in the rest around that, uh, you end up getting really good deals. And if, you know, on the flip side, if you set kind of, location first and dates first and then try to get the cheap place oftentimes trying to buttonhole it that way you don't end up getting nearly as good affairs cool scott well that's that's a lot of valuable information uh before i let you go i'm i'm curious in just the realm of travel hacking in general who else are you reading or following or watching other than of course scott's cheap flights uh, but there are you know there are people who sure. deal with miles and points and anything really that might be helpful for the audience to check out that we can link up in our show notes. Yeah, absolutely. There are two blogs that I really, really love. One is uh, travelisfree.com. They do a, a just a ton of kind of really original, interesting research on how to get the most value from your miles, how to get the most value from your points, you know, your your credit cards, but especially in a way so that like, let's say you're, you're getting an award flight, how to make it so you can add in an extra city for free, or you can go to like two different continents in, in one trip for, you know, just an extra like 5,000 miles or something. Really, really cool interactive maps and stuff there. Big fan. Plus, I like it because they tend to go to really interesting uh, place that I wouldn't have necessarily, that I wouldn't necessarily see elsewhere. So every travel blog, I love them, but every travel blog has uh, uh, stuff about you know going to Iceland or going to Barcelona, going to Rome, and those places are great. But you know, for one of the most recent posts on Travel is Free was a road trip around central Mexico between like Monterrey and San Luis Potosi, and like kind of that uh, just north of Mexico City area, and it was fascinating. I'd never really kind of seen these waterfalls before. Tips and recommendations on how to do that. Really, really uh, appreciate that content. And then the other one that I personally really like. It's called View from the Wing. It's a blogger named Gary Leff, who's just an incredibly smart, um, talented, nuanced blogger, knows everything about the airline industry and can give really, really great perspective anytime you know there's, there's stuff like an airline might be going under or there's some new regulation on seat size or there's uh, some new you know, thing about you know, they're charging more for bags or stuff like that. He has really kind of smart, informed commentary on it, and I always, uh, I always like to read. Beautiful, Scott. Well, uh, yeah, thank you so much for your your time and your your tips, your tricks, your hacks, uh, all of that good stuff. And uh, obviously, people have heard by now, Scott's uh, Scott's cheapflights.com, But where can people reach out to you on social media if they want to interact? Yeah, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on. Twitter at Scott's Cheap Flights and all those. Actually, I think on Twitter it's at Scott's Flights. Plus, we we uh, join our, our our travel community. We've got it linked on in Facebook. What it is? It's a group of like eighty thousand some people who are just love to travel, love to goof off during the day talking about you know oh what's the best place to eat in Lisbon? What are what's the coolest tour to take in Prague? Where should you go in spring if you're going to Southeast Asia? Uh, uh, it's really really kind of 
remarkable to see the amount of travel experience just in this one group of folks uh, chatting with one another. So yeah, we'd love to have you part of it. That's awesome, Scott. Well, thank you very much. Uh, We are going to syndicate this out as wide as we can. Of course, as I mentioned, the show notes on under30experiences.com slash blog. We're already here on Facebook. Uh, Yeah, the Live Different podcast can be found. She's, I don't know, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all those fun places. And soon we are launching the Millennial Travel Podcast, which we will air this episode on as well. So Scott, yeah, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great.